Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 6, 19-24, called No One Can Serve Two Masters. Jesus was always well aware of the group standing there. And so his words often were targeted at them. It doesn't mean they're not a warning for us, but he's probably specifically having them in mind, which I think is helpful so that we don't go to the extreme in responding to this, but I think the warning still sits there for the modern disciple. We gotta be careful. Because this is what our Lord said, and we live in a very prosperous land. We suffer from a uh, virus called affluenza. (laughs) Some of you will get that later. (laughs) So what do we do? And here's here's the bigger question, I think, for anybody who's looking at this. How does one store up treasure in heaven? How do you get it there? What does that mean? I understand, you know, putting extra food in a pantry or saving up for retirement, that kind of stuff. But how does one store up treasure in heaven? Let me just give you a couple of things uh, to keep in mind. Number one, the book of Proverbs points out the ant as an image or an illustration. And the lazy person is told to look at the ant, Proverbs 6, 6, observe his, her ways and be wise which having no chief officer or ruler, speaking of an ant, prepares her food in the summer, gathers her provisions in the harvest. Ants will put away the food so they have it when they need it. When Joseph was in Egypt under uh, the Pharaoh, he recommended that they save seven years during years of plenty so that they would have food in the years of famine. And Joseph was raised up in Egypt because of that. We know how God used that, even get to get uh, Jacob and his children there. And so uh, it even says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, Proverbs 13, 22, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. That's an interesting verse. The righteous, he goes on to say, has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the stomach of the wicked is in want. And so there is no doubt that Saving, being wise, even thinking about grandchildren is what the wisdom literature of the Bible commends. What it condemns is a miserly, selfish approach where money-making is always all about you. If you make it about taking care of your family, you make it about with an eye of future generations, that's wisdom, And I think we need to understand that so that we understand what Jesus is saying. In the book of James, James picks up his brother, half-brother's sermon points, and he is confronting rich landowners in the first century. And he says these words. This is James 5, 2 through 4. He says, Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted. And their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure, exclamation point. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. 
And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath or the Lord of the Sabbath. James is saying this. If you hired people and you're a rich landowner and they did all the work and you didn't pay them, you, you withheld their proper pay, you fall in the category of a person who's allowed wealth to be your master. And your wealth is described as rotted like garments, moth-eaten, and your gold and silver have rusted. Proverbs 30, verses five through nine, kind of sum up maybe perhaps the heart of a believer. He says, this is verse seven of Proverbs 30. He says, two things I've asked of you, O God, don't refuse me either before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, Proverbs 30, verse eight. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Some people have said, ah, based upon that proverb, it's best to be middle class. (laughs) That way you don't have too much so that money begins to be your God and you lose focus on God or too little that you'd have to steal and thus break commandments and that kind of thing. Perhaps that's true, but I will give you the words of Paul from Philippians 4. Paul said, I know how to live in prosperity and I know how to be in want. He, he goes on, I'm paraphrasing, he said, I've learned the secret of contentment. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I know how to live in abundance and Paul had times of abundance in his life, certainly as a Pharisee and probably from a well-to-do family. And I know how to be in want. You can write down Philippians 4 around verses 10 through 13. I know how to, how to do both because my focus is Christ. So whether he gives me a little or a lot, I, I, he is my focus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so to lay up treasures in heaven, I believe, is this. That when you have extra, you focus on kingdom work, kingdom worship, giving to the poor, the orphan, the widow. I'm talking about the legitimately poor now, not someone holding a sign who's playing a game. Legitimately poor people, missionaries, ministry, uh, whatever the Lord points out to you that you believe is authentically kingdom stuff. Jesus paints the picture that he'll be seated on the throne in Matthew 25. The righteous will interact with him and he'll say, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me, etc. I was in prison and you came to me sick. You visited me. When did we do this? When did we do this? As much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Amen? If you want kingdom treasure, you put your money, at least your excess, to kingdom work. And you obviously even give out of your first fruits. So if you look at New Testament giving, New Testament giving is not a mandatory tithe. If you want to follow the law, you need to give 23 and a third percent of your income. That's what the Israelites do because they had three separate tithes. I'm not going to argue if you want to give 23 and a third percent of your income, but that's the law. That's that's sort of a joke. All right. You're not under the law, but Here's what the New Testament teaches. It's a free will gift. 
And somebody put it this way. My life, I open up my hands to God and I say, Lord, put into my life and take out as you would will. And if some, something comes across my life, and let's just say it's a need of, of a missionary or uh, recently we had a ministry we support where Corey was talking about sex trafficking all around the world. And you want to give to that. Some of you have supported uh, individuals in different countries and you have their picture on your fridge and you, you support them to go to school and you keep food on their table. That's all kingdom treasure. And here's the good news about kingdom treasure. There's no rust. It doesn't wear out. It's protected from thieves or robbers and no one can ever take it away from you. Amen? Amen. Now, sometimes we say we get a championship. Maybe we're holding up a trophy and they do the interview. No one can ever take this championship away from us. But we know as sports fans, we'll be talking about next year, the next day. Or someone might say this, I got a college degree and no one can ever take that away from me. And that's a good thing. But here's something that no one ever can take away from you. Kingdom treasure. And everything that you've done for the kingdom of God has been calculated in heaven. And when you get there, you will be rewarded for it. Your reward in heaven will be great. So let me ask you, how do you think your kingdom rewards are looking? Where is most of your focus of your life? We all have to ask that. Warren Wiersbe sums it up by saying, nowhere did Jesus magnify poverty or criticize the legitimate getting of wealth. God made all things, including food, clothing, and precious materials. God has declared all things he made good, Genesis 131. God knows that we need certain things in order to live. In fact, he has given us all things richly to enjoy. That's from 1 Timothy 6. And when Paul instructs Timothy, he says, this is what you should say to wealthy people in your congregation. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct the rich to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. We all have heard the joke, you don't see U-Hauls being pulled by hearses, right? When a coffin is in the back of a vehicle, there's no hearse being, or there's no U-Haul behind it because you ain't taking anything with you. All you're taking is what you sent ahead in kingdom treasures, Amen. You're going to leave it. And your family is probably fighting over it before they put you in the ground. (laughs) And all God's people said, yeah. You know, two things that will probably happen after you're gone. One, people will eat because that's what happens. (laughs) Right? There'll be a service and people will eat because you always got to eat. Number two, it's possible that they're going to fight over your stuff. But you ain't taking it. So the question is, well, how, how do you invest what is truly eternal? How do you invest in that stuff? What's truly going to last? People are storing up wrath for the day of wrath if they reject Christ. But kingdom citizens are storing up reward in heaven when they will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, I'm producer Rob. Since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on eight radio stations. Now, we're excited to tell you, this month we have begun broadcasting in San Diego. So if you're listening from there, welcome. We hope that this teaching is a blessing to you. So now we're on two radio stations in Southern California, one in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia, reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world, like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The country where we have the second most listeners is India. Fewer than 3% of the population are Christians there. The point is, the hope of the gospel is getting around. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth by giving at least $5 a month and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness. And also, thank you for contributing to the joy in learning God's Word and feeling Him close. Now, Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, the podcast, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and to expand into more radio stations as God provides. Now, our current level of listener financial support is not quite 50% yet, and we are praying for more listeners to become part of the Walk in Truth team. Can you give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift today? or become a monthly partner of at least $10 a month, please help us reach 50% listener support before the year ends. Call 844-48-TRUTH to give. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH or give at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much in behalf of Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners, and be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. When they will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus told the story about a man who had so much wealth that he, instead of giving it away, he decided to build bigger barns for it. And Jesus said, God said to him, Luke 12, 20, you fool, this very night your soul will be required of you and now who will own what you've prepared? And then he says these famous words, Luke 12, 21, so is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God, Luke 12, 21. Here's the heart of the matter. It's verse 21 of Matthew 6. Jesus says it, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There is a definite link between what I value the most and what I invest in, right? Wherever my treasure is, that's my heart. Wherever my heart is, that's my treasure. In the ancient world, there were really no banks, so people buried their treasure. They would, they would maybe bury it in a box, like almost you know modern treasure hunting kind of thing. But whatever you did with what you owned, it was certainly subject to decay and thieves and obviously probably a little less secure than we have today. 
But Jesus basically says this, wherever your treasure is, whatever you value the most, it will capture your heart. The essence of the law, which is really what the sermon's foundation is, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commandments. And they go back and forth on him. I've kept every one of those from the time I was young. What do I still lack? Jesus knew what his God was. So he he says, well, go and sell everything you have. Give the proceeds to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven, Matthew 19, 21. And come and follow me. You want eternal life? Follow me. I'm the Lord. You said you want eternal life? Follow me. When the young man heard Jesus' statement, he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. Matthew 19, 22. And Jesus let him go. That was his God. That's why Jesus said what he said. He wasn't making a blanket statement about anybody who has stuff has got to sell it all. He was basically saying, this is your God. You want to know which commandment you're breaking? The first and second. You have another God before me. You have an idol. It's money. Get rid of your idol. Repent of your idol and follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven. Man said no. His face fell and he walked away in sorrow. So I think it's clear how we store up treasures on earth, how we store up treasures in heaven, what the balance is for this life. God wants us to enjoy and be wise. But we need to always be thinking about the kingdom of God. That should be the first priority of servants of Christ. And so Jesus now gives an image to bring it home. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. We often say the eyes are the window of the soul. Matthew 6, 22. If therefore your eye is clear, the Greek word means single, simplistic, healthy, not confused, sound, Functioning healthy, you could say. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is healthy or clear, your whole body will be full of light. You'll have a good eye and there'll be light. I think your whole body could represent your whole life here, not just that your body needs light to go inside of it. But if your eye is bad, if you don't have a good eye but a bad eye, poneros, the Greek word, means evil, hurtful, influenced by evil, not properly functioning, pressed down, Harold, that kind of thing. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Instead of light, there'll be darkness. And if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now this statement has confused a lot of scholars because they're like, what is Jesus talking about? Your eyes are the lamp of the body and all of that. Well, in the ancient world, they had a saying and they called it the evil eye. And Jesus' first century audience would know exactly what he was talking about. Anybody who was miserly, we would think of Scrooge. Remember Scrooge in the famous movie, right, in the book? Scrooge was a miserly guy. Aren't there enough, you know, workhouses? Aren't there enough prisons? And he would kind of do that Popeye thing. Hick, 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 hick. Anyway, that kind, right? And... He couldn't even think of giving away a little bit of his manufactured wealth to the poor. Humbug, humbug. He was a miser. Scrooge had the evil eye. And he was full of darkness. He could care less about his fellow man. First John, John picks this up and he says, look, if you claim to be in the light, 
and you walk in darkness, you're a liar. If you see a brother or sister in need of worldly goods and you close your heart toward him, you are in darkness. This is how we ultimately see what Jesus is talking about when we walk out who we are. We will be walking in the light. We'll have the lamp of God. You know, in the ancient world, they didn't have electricity when Jesus is speaking. They had lamps, and lamps were almost like a torch. So when the sun dropped, the only way you could illuminate places is to light a candle or have a lamp or kind of like a torch sort of thing or something that was a physical lamp, but you had to have oil and light it. Well, what Jesus is basically saying is this. Your eyes, which usually is fixed mostly on your treasure, let the light in, and the precepts of God are light. So when you're following Jesus, the psalmist famously says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, I think it's 105. So when we have the light of God directing our steps, our body will be full of truth and light and we'll, we'll do what we need to do with our resources. But if we have the evil eye, we'll be full of darkness. This is a Hebrew idiom. It's a figure of speech of a miser, a selfish person. Proverbs 28, 22 puts it this way. A man with an evil eye, Proverbs 28, 22, hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him. By contrast, a good eye is a generous person full of the light of God. Proverbs 22, 9 in the New King James says, he who has a generous or good eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. Proverbs 22, 9. All Jesus is simply doing is making a contrast between a generous person with a good eye and a miserly person with an evil eye. Sometimes we call it the stink eye. <laughs> that person just gave me the stink eye. <laughs> that was an evil eye. What's going on with that? Full of darkness. <laughs> That's kind of our modern expression, but I think you guys get what Jesus is saying. You've been listening to No One Can Serve Two Masters, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, as we think about some of these topics of, about, you know, laying up treasure in heaven and and having our priorities right— Maybe you live in a place where you see more and more homeless people and, you know, you may live in a location like that or maybe you've seen some reports about it and you're like, well, you know, it seems like we're fighting a losing battle. I know we've had a lot of city meetings here where they try to come up with strategic plans on how to deal with this ongoing issue. 
And sometimes you feel like, you know, if I do help somebody, am I really helping or am I just enabling them or are they going to use what I gave to them to go and, you know, just contribute to their habit? That's why we tell people, if you're going to give something to someone like on the side of a street or whatever, don't give cash. Maybe you can give them, you know, a gift card to a, a restaurant or something like that where it can only be used in one way. They can't go and buy alcohol and that kind of thing. And and you want wisdom on that, but you may feel like, ah, oh, this is a losing battle. What do I do? All you can do is do your part, but you can also give through local ministries that have this, you know, down really well. They know the potholes and they've thought through how to best minister to people. So you can give through churches or other organizations that are Christian based and, you know, can help people through addiction and hold them accountable and all of that good stuff. So I hope that helps. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. Hey, if you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check it out at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'll be here for part three of No One Can Serve Two Masters. Hey, share what you're hearing with a friend, and we'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 6, 19-24, called No One Can Serve Two Masters. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.